Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pels fans? Your New Orleans Pelicans are 3-0. How about that? I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com as well as B-Ball Index, Preston Ellis. Tonight, we are joined by associate editor and diehard Disney fan, Mr. David Fisher. Thank you for joining me, sir. Thank you for having me, sir. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing really well, man. I'm super stoked. I, I have to confess, I got a little nervous at halftime, and I said, Fish, I don't know how this is going. And he said, oh, ye of little faith, with everything that's gone wrong, and we're only down three. How confident were you at that time when we were down 59 to 62 at half? You know, I was remarkably... Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Confident because I'm starting to believe that the Pelicans actually have the switch and they know how to turn it on. And tonight they certainly demonstrated that in the third quarter. The defensive, um, the defensive intensity went up significantly there. It, and it still wasn't a matter of them hitting jumpers or anything like that. It was really just defense grinding them out and attacking the rim that got them from three down to, what, 10-11 up going into the fourth? So I, it was impressive, but I'm starting to believe that that is – that is a tool they have in their kit that they certainly didn't have last year. Definitely. And they definitely poured on the energy throughout, uh, even though the Clippers were frustrating them to the tune. Both teams kind of came out sloppy uh, offensively from the floor, shooting just one of seven from the field. Both of them, the Pelicans only managed their second three-pointer midway through the third quarter. That was Etwan Moore, who ended up having a very productive third that helped, like you said, the Pelicans get out to that 14-point lead, 84-70, to 70, I think with about three minutes remaining. Things got a little bit tight. Uh, Lou Williams had a three-pointer. I swore his foot was on the line. Even Joel Myers commented on it, but they never went back to the clip so I could get a definitive look but it was 98 to 103 at that point 
The Pelicans made a couple mistakes after that. Uh, two missed three-pointers from Solomon Hill before Anthony Davis on this wild scrum got a dunk to give them a bit more leeway. And then the hero of the night, and I know that this is going to um, – be music to your ears. I mean, obviously, he's not the only one. A lot of guys contributed to this. But the three-point dagger, as well as one of the uh, three throws that gave the Pelicans the lead they needed to hold on, Alfred Payton Fish, through three games, what have you seen from this young man? You know, the defense, it's still not all the way there. I can definitely see what you were talking about. When he's off the ball, he looks mildly disengaged and flat-footed. So I can definitely see what you were talking about when he was added, where there's definitely some room to grow defensively. But when he's on the ball, I'm really liking what I'm seeing with him fighting over and through screens or communicating switches well. And the biggest thing that I have noticed that he brings the offense different from his predecessor is that when he is attacking the rim, he's attacking it to shoot. And if necessary, we'll pass. Whereas the previous point guard would attack the rim <laughs> with the, the idea of passing the ball in his mind. And the other thing that has really jumped out to me, and I know that it was one of Alfred's strong points before he got here, is that he was above average finisher for his size at the rim. And I think the Pelicans' offense and the amount of attention, especially the Anthony Davis draws, where Alfred Payton is rarely ever shooting over a big man. He's only shooting over a guard or whoever was switched onto him because the big man is afraid to roll all the way the coverage because they believe, you know, the alley was going to go over their head to Anthony Davis. I mean, he's finishing incredibly at the rim. Um, it, it, it's really remarkable what he's been able to do. And that's the biggest thing is that he's playing downhill, attacking the rim, finishing at the rim, and he's willing to shoot at the rim. He's not just dribbling to dribble underneath the basket and look for a shot or look for the stuff of pass in there. If the shot's there, he's going to take it. And he's making it at a very high rate so far. I love this angle we're taking. He who shall not be named uh, the previous point guard, his predecessor. Uh, Love it. Great stuff. We've got a lot of questions to get to, so I do want to skip ahead a little bit. But before I get to that, obviously can't say enough good things about Etwan Moore. Simply put, he's there when you need him. Uh, Solid performance from him. Anthony Davis in 40 minutes. uh, Monster stat line, 34 and 13, uh, as well as five blocks on the night. But who I really want to speak to you about not just what they did offensively, because obviously both Nikola Meritich and Drew Holiday struggled. Holiday was 2 of 15 on the night. Meritich was 7 of 18, and Meritich got, got benched late in favor of Salmon Hill, Nikola Meritich, and uh, Julius Randle. And we've got a lot of questions on that, so don't get to that yet. But just in terms of what Nico and Drew Holiday do, other than score, how they make their time in the court so productive in other capacities, how has their game grown from the beginning point last year when Nikola Meritich first joined the squad to now? Um, <coughs> Meritich is so much more aggressive. Like he knows what he's looking for in the offense, and he's going ahead and taking it. And if it's not there, he's moving it, you know, to the next option. And I would say that's not just a Meritich thing I've noticed. Um, especially in the first half, the Pelicans kind of got hung up on the we're going to feed it into the post and we're going to kind of stand and watch a little bit more, which is part of what hung the offense up but in the third quarter even with the shots not falling um 
Miritich, you know, he's taking it to the basket. He had a nice drop step on somebody in the fourth quarter, um, Avery Bradley, for a wide open layup. They're decisive in in their decision making. And I think that is a big thing team wide, but especially Miritich and his comfort in the offense that has developed and you can you can see a chemistry and a and a carryover and an improvement from last year to this year. Yeah, definitely uh, also want to give accolades to Julius Randle, who fouled out with somewhere around three or four minutes left in the fourth. Uh, he's just taken the Pelicans to another level in, level in terms of what he delivers the bench. With a subpar bench play from Ian Clark, Salmon Hill, and Darius Miller at times, though some of them did perform better, and we'll, we'll keep that a, a teaser for a, a later date. He just keeps this unit chugging along. Um, giving them the points they need. I think he did another like 10 points in his first six minutes, finished the night with 18 points on 20 uh, in 22 minutes, five of nine from shooting, very efficient, got himself to the line. That's another thing we'll get to 40 foul shots on the night. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and do that now fish a year ago. The Pelicans weren't getting a whistle. I remember there was one period between games where the Pelicans went something like 48 minutes from the end of the second quarter through the beginning of the third quarter to the next game where they did not generate a single foul shot. Now, all of a sudden, they're getting the benefit of those whistles. Do you think tonight was an aberration? I think they had 34 foul shots uh, against either the Kings or the Rockets. Do you think officials are finally giving the benefit of the whistle to the Pelicans, or is this just a small sample size? Um, I don't think it's that it's a small sample size, but I think it's a matter of freedom of movement was a big push from the league that they want um, they want the game to be sped up and to be less grabbing and holding off of the ball. So they're pushing it to the officiating crew that, hey, if we call it more, then maybe the defense will stop doing it so much. And especially tonight, I think on both sides, we saw a lot of minor impacts, minor things that uh, in a typical game, and especially, say, in a playoff game, would not be called fouls. We're calling, you can call them ticky-tack fouls if you'd like. Just a lot of bumps and things like that off the ball, or even on the ball when guys are driving them, that usually an officiating crew um, would let slide tonight they were calling all of that now I will say that they were calling it consistently but at the same time the rate in which they were calling it and the fact that neither team was adjusting how they were going to defend and the Clippers are pretty much hanging their hat on defense and the Pelicans while we talk about pace um, and the offense has been very efficient because they're getting to the rim a lot I still feel like this team is fundamentally a defensive team first. Um, I feel like both of their stars are better defensive players um, than offensive players when you're talking about Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, and I think that sets the tone of the pace that Boston, this is an offensive team, and Wayne Gentry clearly is an offensive-minded coach. The talent of the player, I feel like the defense Clippers are as well. So you were just you were getting a lot of bumps and things like that in this in the previous much. And I think that might be that might be a thing that say when we get into middle December, players haven't adjusted how they defend to the calls. We'll see the officiating adjust to how players are still defending. 
that might come down. So teams might not necessarily be in the bonuses early. So I didn't feel like the Pelicans as much are getting the benefit of the whistle as the whistle is being dictated by the league office. Hey, we need more calls. We need, well, not necessarily more calls, but they want freedom of movement addressed more stringently to hopefully open up the game even more. Gotcha. Go ahead and check your connection for us, David. Uh, You're going in and out, so if you're in a good spot in your house, uh, we'll continue with some of these questions. That one was from Lord Draco. He said, how do you guys feel about the whistles? We've got a lot of questions here about crunch time, Fish. Obviously, it was a little bit interesting. We did see last season Nikola Meritich would often be off the floor during crunch time, and they'd go with some version of Drew, Etwan Moore, Darius Miller, Solomon Hill, and Anthony Davis with some changes here and there within there. Tonight, Nikola Meritich didn't get any of that run. I don't think he played in the final five minutes of the game. Julius Randle got some spot minutes. As soon as he fouled out, Solomon Hill was back inserted. Delpit Gang Gang and B. Henny both ask, why solo over Nico? I, I think tonight it was, it was solely a matchup situation. Um, I, I think part of it was the fact um, Meritich was a little cold. And I think the other part of it, I mean, if you look at what the Clippers were rolling out there, they were technically running Tobias Harris as their center and Danilo Gallinari as their power forward. So they were going to go tiny anyways. And so I, I, I think that what Alvin Gentry was looking at there is he was actually going defense first, which kind of makes sense when you're the team with the lead. And so he went with Solomon Hill as a, as a defensive counter to that lineup rather than having Miritich have to chase around a, a smaller player who's more like a small forward who slides down to power forward, where Miritich is more of a – he's a stretch for, but he, he doesn't have that small forward, smaller ball handler skill set quite as much, especially defending on the perimeter, because if he was out there, I feel like you would have seen the Clippers attack him individually in switches and things like that, either with Gallinari or with Harris, whichever one he ended up on. All right. This one's from Big Fella 122 He says, why do we struggle at the line fish? Against the Kings, the Pelicans shot 63.6%. Against the Rockets here, I'm going to pull it up. It's somewhere in the 70s, 77% on 22 shots. Tonight, 30 of 40. I think that's good for 75%. Anthony Davis was the big sticking point at 10 of 15. That's somewhere around 65, 66%. Do you think the Pelicans are struggling at the free throw line fish? I, I, honestly, on that, I just think it's the bizarre oneness of every game. I, I don't think that there's anything. I mean, they practice free throws more than any of us practice any single part of our job. I don't think it's a matter of the fact that free throws aren't being addressed or they're not given their proper importance. I just think sometimes a couple guys go up there and they miss free throws that they expected to make. I, I, don't, I don't read very much into that at all. All right. Uh, next question. Points in the paint. Uh, the Pelicans, again, uh, they did very well there. I think they got 60 or 64 on the night while the other team um, got the the other version of that, the Los Angeles Clippers. I'll look up that exact number in a minute. My question to you, however, is that against the Kings, the Pelicans allowed 70 points in the paint, and I'm going to give you the exact number. Against the Clips tonight, they allowed 60 points in the paint. Do you think teams are getting into the paint against the Pelicans' defense too easily? There are times, definitely, where I feel like the Pelicans, when they're beat, they are um, surrendering rather than giving it, you know, their all defensively. They're kind of overbeat 
that's fine. Let's get back on offense. We'll, we'll give them those two points and we're going to get them right back. Um, and I think some of that is just where the league has gone. Um, not necessarily that the, the defense used to be tougher. It's just the priorities are different and that they're just making a calculation. And I think that's, that's just where the league is. Sometimes guys get beat off the dribble. And especially when you're talking about, I mean, Anthony Davis, I, I felt like tonight, especially Anthony Davis changed a lot of shots. But the other part about that is too, you have to think about how the league has changed in the, in the fact that there's a substantially greater emphasis on getting to the rim. So there's going to be more points in the paint because that's what other teams are seeking as well. So I, I don't feel like the points in the paint allowed were um, egregious tonight. And I, and I, and I, I continue to think what the Pelicans are doing, not only in attacking the basket off of the dribble, but their willingness to attack the offensive glass um, is, is proving to pay some significant dividends early on. All right. Thank you so much. This is our associate editor at thebirdrights.com. You can follow him at fish underscore TBW. Last question. The Pelicans had an off shooting night. Uh, the Clippers, however, were the fourth rated defensive unit in the NBA. They played a slower tempo. I think they're 27th in pace, fourth in defensive rating. So we knew that this was going to be a different style of matchup for the Pelicans, and they responded. They only shot 43% from the field and 25% from three-point range on 6 of 24. They had hit 17 three-pointers in their previous two matchups. And here's the question I'm posing to you, Fish. This, this was a different sort of game. Here's the question from Garrett Allmeyer. He said, could this be the most impressive win so far this season? Uh, I think each, each of the three victories have been impressive in their own way. Um, Houston is good. Houston's a good basketball team. They might not necessarily be a good basketball team at this moment, but they have the talent to be a good basketball team. And they're going to be, you know, one of the best teams in the Western conference beating that team for their home opener. That's an impressive win. The, the Sacramento Kings game it was impressive in the fact that it, it demonstrated that the team has that switch against a lesser opponent that isn't expected to be good. The Pelicans slept, walked through the first, oh, 20 minutes of the game. And then with about four minutes to go in the second quarter, they decided that they were done playing around and they put the game away, you know, for those last four minutes of the second quarter and then the third quarter um, put the game away. Tonight, Tonight, I mean, they, they play the team. The Clippers expect to challenge for the, the West playoffs in the Western Conference with the benefit of health. I mean, they have a couple players that have had health struggles as, as recently as last season in Patrick Beverly and Danilo Gallinari, but they expect to be competing for a playoff spot. And the Pelicans were unable to get it going. The shot wasn't falling for them. And they played the game that the Clippers would like to play, and they still found a way to win. I would say tonight's game, in a way, reminded me of the Saints game on Sunday against the Ravens, where the Saints played a game that was more akin to how their opponent wanted to play, and they still found a way to gut out the victory. And these are the wins that you don't necessarily think about at the end of the season, but you might look at the standings and, hey, the Pelicans ended up with the fourth seed or the third seed, and they got it by a game, and you don't remember, oh, remember that Clippers game where the shot really wasn't falling, we couldn't make a three-pointer to save our lives, 
and yet the Pelicans still found a way to gut out the victory. Um, so, I, I mean, it's really hard for me. And I don't want to say, you know, all three victories have been impressive, like mind-blowingly impressive. I don't think they have an overwhelmingly impressive victory. But each one of them kind of start to build this narrative that this team is different than the Pelican teams of the past. They have some sort of leadership, chemistry, concept of what they need to do as a team that they haven't had before and the ability to flip that switch and say, we're not going to lose this game that they haven't had on a consistent basis. And that, that is going to be the difference between, you know, finishing with the fifth, sixth, seventh seed and being on the road in the first round of the playoffs and having home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs is the more games like this, that sometimes you might've, you might've dropped in previous seasons that you're going to put in the win column. Or, yeah, we're definitely seeing a different unit. The first time the Pelicans have been 3-0, and I want to say in eight years since the 2010-11 season. Uh, you can fact check that for me. But you guys follow him, David Fisher, at fish underscore TVW, the associate editor at thebirdrights.com. That's it for now. Just want to get a short one for you guys. Just make sure we get it live so that you can listen to it and bask in the glory of this victory and your 3-0 and start. Uh, remember to check out thebirdrights.com. As you're listening to this, there's a recap from Trevor Ritchie, host of the Bird Rights podcast, along with his uh, co-host, Travis Tate. They'll probably have a podcast dropping this week. Uh, For now, thank you guys for listening so much. If you have an extra second, if you like being with us, do us a favor, rate us on iTunes, subscribe there, share the podcast, spread the word. We appreciate all the help and all the listens. Uh, For now, I'm Preston Ellis. Let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com xm. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.